So God, we, uh, we just look to you this morning, God, as the author of this book, as, as the conveyor of truth in our lives. You are the light of the world. You show us what's true. Um, God, you show us who you are, who God is, and, and you show us who we are. And so I just pray for that this morning, that as we uh, come to your word again, that you would teach us, that you'd be our guide. Um, Lord, there's so much in this story uh, for us to consider. There's so much relevance in this passage for us today um, to just consider how you move, how you work, and who you include in your kingdom. And so I pray that you would just um, just kind of turn the lights on for us and be our teacher today in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so today we're in the second part of uh, Acts 8, and uh, we've been in this series called Life in the Spirit, and the, the main character of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see the, um, he, how he empowers and moves the church, like he uses people, but the real main character of this book is the Holy Spirit and what God is doing through his people. And the main thing, we're going to look at the story of Philip and how Philip is led to reach out to a really unlikely person. Um, but the main thing that I want to focus on today as we read this story is listening to the Holy Spirit. It's listening, because the whole reason uh, why God, God does this amazing thing is because Philip listened and obeyed. And so it just serves for us an example, a description of what it looks like to listen and act, um, or listen to God and act. And so I think I've asked this question before, but ha have you guys ever had a time where someone spoke a word to you? Or have you ever spoken a word to someone else where you felt like God was telling you something to tell someone else? I had this happen just this week. I don't, I don't know if you remember last week's sermon, but I talked about pressure and like experiencing pressure in our lives. I just want you to know that sermon was also for me, okay? <laughs> like I've been feeling some pressure lately. And so um, every Monday morning, we as campus pastors, we gather at CTK Bellingham um, for encouragement and for direction, all this stuff, and we have about an hour and a half there, and it was just one of those Mondays where I was just tired, you know, it was also my birthday, right, so I was like, yeah, I'm old now, so 37, man, Whew. getting up, that feels like turning a corner, it's like late, well, late 30s, late 30s, add that, so um, anyway, so it was, it was, and having a birthday on your Monday, on a Monday, right, it's a little, it's a little tough, but you guys made it better, thank you for all the birthday greetings, um, but no, I just went in, I was feeling a little tired, I was feeling a little, you know, like just thinking about all the things that I had to do, and, um, and at the end of the meeting, there's another pastor, uh, Brady from CTK, and he just said, hey, Tyler, I've been praying for you, and God just, I hope this isn't weird, but God just gave me this picture for you. Um, that I think he wants you to hear today. Now, guys, this does not happen in every meeting, okay? This is not what we do. It's like, oh, no, no, I got a better picture for you. No, this is not what we do. But it was just, he said, I have a picture for you, and it's like there's a stream in Blaine, and, and you and your church, you're on a boat, and you're actually going down this stream, and the wind is just blowing. And you guys aren't having to work that hard. The wind is just pushing you along. And I just, that relieved all this weight for me of like, man, I've been trying to, you know, make it work and, and do all this stuff, but what if that, because the Spirit is wind. Do you guys know that? What if the Spirit is just pushing us where He wants us to go? And I got to tell you, that changed the week for me. To, to hear 
to hear a word from God. I hope that encourages you too. But like that, that God, his spirit, he moves us along. That we're not out there trying to strive um, and, and, and make everything happen on our own. But it's actually the spirit of God who, in his own way, we don't control the wind. We also don't control the spirit. And he's just pushing us along. So, so that was a word that really um, changed my week. And so I bring this into this passage today, having kind of been like encouraged by that, but also looking at, wow, this passage is about someone who listened to the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to wrestle with today, among other things that the passage brings up. But what does it mean for us to listen to the Holy Spirit as a church, as, as the people of God, as his disciple? What does it mean for us to listen? How would it affect our life if we were able to hear this Spirit more clearly? And what would it look like to know where God's sending us and go where he sends us? To, to know where he's sending us and also go. Because I really feel like if, if we just let the Spirit be in control, it would change everything. And so we got some, yeah, we got, we got these are the prayer people. I want you to know that. These, are, these are people are praying for you and for us all the time. I love it. So another thing I found out this week is that there's actually a guy named Rusty Rustenbach, okay? That's a great name. That's like, that's like an action hero name from the 80s, like Rusty Rustenbach. No, but he's, he's a pastor. That's, I, I don't know. I might change my name. I'm inspired. But So Rusty, he works with this group called The Navigators, and he wrote this book on listening prayer. He wrote a book on listening prayer. I almost tried to get some printouts because it's, it's really good stuff. Um, but he just said this. He said, learning to listen to God is a process that starts awkwardly and grows slowly but develops and matures until it is hard to see how you could have ever lived without it. You know, I love that, right? Because it's like, yeah, it is a little weird to just be silent before God. You know, you don't, sometimes when you come into, if you grew up like me, like prayer was, okay, I got to bring God all my needs, everything, I got to get it all out, you know. I didn't think of prayer as, what if I just come and listen? What if I just come and be silent before him? Like it says in the Psalms, be still and know that I am God. And so as we come to this second part of Acts 8 today, we're going to see what it looks like to listen to God and to act on that. And because for Philip in this story, it's pretty dramatic. Last week, we talked about how God used pain and pressure to spread out his church, to, to kind of um, send his church to uh, Samaria and the villages all throughout Israel and how the gospel just spread. And, um, and so Philip is a part of that. Philip preaches the gospel in Samaria and it has a powerful time there. And then the, the, the book stays focused on Philip, and this is how God moves in him next. Um, we're going to start reading at verse 26 this morning. If you have your Bibles, it'll also be on the screen. So um, Acts 8:26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace. And we're going to talk about all that stuff later. Queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
and spirit and the spirit said to Philip go over and join this chariot so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked do you understand what you are reading and he said how can I unless someone guides me and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him so we're going to pause there and we'll pick it up in a little bit but there's a lot going on in this passage both above the surface and under the surface there is a lot going on in this passage the first thing we see is that there's two times where God speaks to Philip directly to do something so the first thing is an angel who says you know rise get up and go and and it just gives him a direction like gives him a compass doesn't give him the map right just the compass like just I remember when I lived in Montana for a short time and you know, I, I was hiking here in the Northwest, and I was used to following trails. And then I went to an outdoor store in Montana. I'm like, hey, I, I just want to start hiking out here. How do I do it? And he said, well, you're just going to need a compass and a gun. And that's about because of all the bears and stuff. <laughs> but you're just going to need a map and a compass because there's no trails. You just kind of walk wherever you want to walk, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I might not be hiking that much here. I, I don't know. Um, so I, I didn't really hike there. Um, anyway, so so the the angel just gives Philip a, a direction. Just go south, go south on the road to Gaza. It's interesting. We talk about Gaza this week. I don't know if you've been following the news, but there's all sorts of unrest in Gaza and Israel and Tel Aviv. We just need to be praying for that region, praying for peace. But Gaza, like it is today, it's in the southwest corner of Israel. It's in the southwest corner of Israel, and it's a strategic location because it was on the road that connected Africa and Asia, and so thousands of people would, would go through Gaza on a daily basis. Well, I don't know daily, maybe weekly, but it was a lot of people. And this would have been a really intimidating command to Philip because back then you didn't have all the safety nets when you were traveling uh, like you do now. I mean, it was... You know, you could get uh, heat stroke if you were out there. If you were alone, you're more likely to be attacked. But, but the angel says, just go. Just trust me and go. And so he goes, and he's traveling on the road alone in the desert. And he obeys. I, what you'll see is Philip's obedience is, like, immediate. Like, yes, I'll go. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. And then somewhere on along the road, he sees who he described as an Ethiopian eunuch, an official of the court of Queen Candace. So that's a big title, and there's a lot in that title. So first of all, uh, Candace is an English translation. Translation. Um, the word would be like more like Kandake. I don't know what lang you know language that would be, but basically it was like like Pharaoh in Egypt. This was a title for a African queen of a kingdom in Ethiopia just describes this big region at that time south of Egypt. Um, they think it could be called Cush or Nubia. And uh, some say that this particular um, Kandake was famous for staving off the Romans. So you got to understand the Romans ruled the world at that time, except for um, like little pockets, little kingdoms. And this African kingdom was one of those kingdoms that was independent of Rome. So they, they had fended off the Romans from taking over, and so they were, they were a big deal. And um, Philip comes across her treasurer. He's a high court official uh, responsible for all her gold. He's wealthy. He's got a chauffeur. 
He's definitely in like a luxury chariot, uh, taking him through Israel. And so when Philip sees this chariot with this uh, government official sitting in it, the spirit speaks to him again. He says, go, Philip, go, go over and join this chariot. Philip might have been like, this chariot? This is intimidating, you know? This is intimidating. Like, uh, you know, it's like if you see a celebrity sighting, right? It's, it, I, I don't know about you. Uh, I'm always like a little hesitant, right? But it's like that. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I, I want to do that. But there's multiple reasons why this particular ask of the Holy Spirit was intimidating. And it's about how the Bible describes this man. Um, the scripture specifically points out three social barriers that Philip would have to overcome in order to join him in this chariot. It's all in the description. Like, this would not be a normal, um, a normal conversation. Philip would have to step over several um, barriers, and the three barriers that he would have to step over um, was a wealth barrier, there was a racial barrier, and there was also a physical barrier. And he would have to step over all of these. Um, the wealth barrier, this was a man of great wealth, and this was a class-oriented society. Um, so common people generally don't associate with the wealthy. Um, and we know that he's rich because he has a scroll. Scrolls were precious. He, he traveled to Jerusalem, and he buys a scroll. So he must have a lot of money. Like, back, you know, back then and even today, like, synagogues only carry parts of the Old Testament on scrolls. They, we don't, they didn't have all the, all the nifty apps and stuff that we have today, right? I mean— we can get the Bible in every translation. We can, we can even have the people we want to read the Bible read the Bible to us on audiobook. Like if you want James Earl Jones to read you the Bible, it's there. It's a little weird because he played Darth Vader, right? But he, you know, you can have James Earl Jones read you the Bible today if you want. But man, this, this uh, Ethiopian eunuch, God had stirred something in his heart, this desire to know God. And so he... He abandoned whatever he was doing, and he went up to Israel, and he went to Jerusalem, and he bought this scroll. Like, I need to know who this God is. And man, I'm wondering, do we see that kind of hunger for the word today with us, right? Do we see, when we, we have the Bible available everywhere, but are we seeking it out? Are we treating it as precious? Like, man, this is the truth. This is the word of words of life. This could change everything. And yet, I love the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch in this. And so second, so there was the wealth barrier, and there was also a racial barrier. It's different than what, um, you know, we wrestle with today. We wrestle with racism and racial history that's very sobering. Um, but back then... An Ethiopian, it didn't just refer to a specific nation. It also referred to um, Africans with black skin. And, uh, you know, while Philip didn't have to wrestle with all the sobering uh, racial history that we've had to face in our country, there was still um, some mystery and superstition um, around some African people at that time. It was just a culture and a nation that wasn't very well known to the Greek and Hebrew world. And so when Jesus told his disciples, go to the ends of the earth and share the gospel, this would be included for his disciples in that map. Like the ends of the earth would be Ethiopia. 
um, a people not very well known to them. And what I love about this is that we have been trying as, as believers, as, as Christians, to reach the ends of the earth for 2,000 years, right? We want to go to every tribe, tongue, and nation. We want everyone to know. But you see that there is in Acts like an immediate fulfillment of, of what God commanded his disciples to do, and it happens through Philip. What did Jesus say? He wants you to go to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And what does he do in Acts 6 through 8? They, they preach in, in, in Jerusalem, they go to Samaria, and now they're reaching someone who will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. There's immediate fulfillment. And so this group of people that might not have been on the minds or very well known to Greek and Hebrews, and they were very well known and very loved by God. So there was the wealth barrier, the racial barrier, and lastly, there was the physical barrier. And this all has to do with the word eunuch. And I'm not going to get real graphic here this morning, okay? My kids are here, so I'm not going to get real graphic. But um, as an official working in the queen's court, a eunuch would have to agree to alter his male anatomy. He'd have to have some of it removed. And uh, basically, they didn't want the, uh, anyone working in the court of the queen to pose any sort of sexual threat. And that's what they did back then. It was the price of rich and being rich and famous. And uh, in many ways, even though he was rich, even though he had a great position, this made him a social outcast. And the biggest barrier that this man experienced is when he traveled to the temple in search of God, he wouldn't have been allowed to enter the temple. He wouldn't have been allowed. In Deuteronomy 23.1, it says, No one who's been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. That is the old covenant. That is the, like the rules and regulations of the nation of Israel. And so that applied to the temple. He would not have been allowed to go in. But yet, what do we see? What do we see? This is the first person who... <laughs> the Holy Spirit specifically sends Philip to reach out to with the good news of Jesus. This is a new covenant because Jesus bought with his blood, um, with his body, a new covenant, that there wouldn't be any more separation between God and man, that, that there are no social barriers that Jesus cannot reach over to bring someone to faith, including this one. There is one Jesus for all people. And I think it's important to clarify in this stage and age, this is not an argument for, like, transgenderism or anything like that. If you read online and stuff, there are some people that want to read it this way, but that's not the issue that they're dealing with. And I just think it's um, important to say that. But it is a challenge to us that we should never let a social barrier get in the way of sharing Jesus with someone. We should never close ourselves off to anyone because all people are made in God's image and he loves them all desperately. He loves them all desperately. God wants all people to come into a saving faith in Jesus. And so we can't write off people. We can't point our noses up at people that act and think differently than us. They are closer to Jesus than you think. People are closer to Jesus than you think. So our job is to love and to invite people to know Jesus. Know the Jesus who's changed our lives. 
And so what does Philip find when he gets to the chariot? Jesus leads him to this man specifically. All the stuff, you know, above the surface, under the surface, what is going on? We see that the Ethiopian eunuch is sitting in his chariot, and he's desperately trying to understand God's word. The, the prophet Isaiah. He's something, think about it, it's something that he traveled uh, thousands of miles to find. And now that he has it, he can't understand it. And no one will show him what it means. No one will help him. And so it says that Philip ran to meet him. This is what I love. I love the word ran in this. Because Philip, didn't, Philip running doesn't mean he considered it or he tiptoed over there. The Spirit told him to go talk to this man, and he ran. That shows, like, excited obedience. And it, it, it says that he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and Philip asks the Ethiopian eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? He just asked, it's like a teacher, you know, if you ever were struggling in elementary school, like me, especially with math, you know, you have a teacher come over and with that soft teachery voice, just ask you, hey, how can I help, you know? Uh, that's, that's kind of the picture that I get, because here you have the Ethiopian eunuch and he's frustrated. Right? He's, his trip has been frustrating, and here he has what he's been looking for, and he can't figure out what it's saying. And here comes Philip, sent by God to explain it to him. And he says, how can I unless someone guides me? That's discipleship, you know? How can I understand what God is saying unless someone guides me? And that's our call to make disciples. We are the ones who are supposed to guide people in the ways of Jesus, the ways of Christ. And so God's already at work in the Ethiopian eunuch. He just needed a teacher. He just needed someone to guide him. And so God sent him Philip. And this is partnering with God. This is what partnering with God looks like. Like our mission our, in life is not to just figure it out for ourselves, but to listen to what God is telling us to do and then obey. And so let's, uh, let's talk about this question. Um, what can we learn about listening to the Holy Spirit in this passage? We're going to start here. We're going to dive back in and see what the result is in a little bit. But the first thing I want to say this morning is that the Holy Spirit always nudges us in the right direction. All right? So we don't have to be afraid that God is, you know, we're not on a, you know, a prank TV show with God. You know, he's not going to set us up and lead us somewhere and then the, the you know, everything's going to fall out from underneath us. If God leads us, he'll provide everything we need. Because God's never going to pull the rug out from under us if we're stepping out in obedience. If we're walking in the Spirit, God's not going to pull the rug out. When we step out in faith, God will meet us there. God will meet us there. When we obey him, it leads to, it'll always lead to a positive result, right? It'll lead to a positive result for the kingdom. It might cost us some stuff, but God will never lead us to a place that will, will end up being a net negative for the kingdom. And so let's look and see what the result is here in Acts 8. We'll pick up in verse 32. It says this. It says, Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself 
or about someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the, yeah, it'd be pretty crazy. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So, an amazing result, right? An amazing positive result. The Ethiopian eunuch, he's sitting, he's reading Isaiah 53, and he's stumped. He needed to know who this person was, and so Philip is there to answer that question. And here's the phrase that describes Philip's obedience. He opened his mouth. Now, he opened his mouth does not imply a lot of forethought, right? Like when someone says that you opened your mouth, it means you probably weren't thinking when you opened your mouth. Um, I've never done that. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, he opened his mouth, and, and he just began to explain the gospel from Genesis to the present. Philip's not an educated man, so God's just giving him the words. He's, he's telling him exactly what he needs to hear, and Philip didn't need to know everything. He just simply needed to open his mouth and just see where God leads him. Uh, and so this is my second observation. The Holy Spirit will always give us the right words to say. The Holy Spirit will always give us the right words to say. If it's the Holy Spirit, it will be the right words. And there have been moments in my life where I've felt stumped or, or I've been facing a difficult conversation and it wasn't until I opened my mouth that the right words came out. And so I've been learning to not think as much. <laughs> okay? I hope that's helpful. No, but I've been trying to learn to not overthink difficult conversations, overthink gospel conversations, but just go. And you see, like Philip, he asked questions, and he just explained. God is already at work. And what do we see happen? We see that the Ethiopian hears, and he believes, and then he comes to some water, and he said, here's some water. Is there anything preventing me from being baptized? Is there any barrier preventing me from being baptized? I was denied entrance at the temple, faced a lot of rejection, but is there anything here preventing me from experiencing new life in Christ? And the answer was no. And he's saved, and he goes under the water, and he comes up, and Philip is gone. <laughs> which would be crazy, right? I mean, but that's this powerful spirit-moving moment. And for all of us, there are barriers that we feel in our lives that we would say, well, that would probably prevent me from being a follower of Jesus. There is no barrier that will prevent you from being a follower of Jesus other than unbelief, believing in your heart trusting Jesus, following him, making him your Lord and your Savior. And so this is why listening to the Holy Spirit is so important because it, it doesn't just result in good stuff for us. It results in good stuff for others and for the kingdom of God. And we just need to trust the Holy Spirit's at work on the other side of the equation. 
We don't have to live in the, in the confusion of, oh, what if I don't say things right? We don't have to live in that fear. We can just leave that fear and trust God and enter into a new freedom with him. And sometimes there are things that get in the way, right? There's, uh, we get too busy to listen, right? We get too busy. Life, we don't take that time to sit before God and listen. Um, our sin can also get in the way, right? If we have something that we're, like, fighting God with, then, then you're really at war with God over whatever that thing is in your life. It's really hard to hear from God if you're at war with God. So you've got to surrender whatever that thing is, give up the war so that you can start listening and walking with the Spirit. And I've had that time and time again in my life when I'm at war with God over something, something small even, like I've got to surrender that in order to hear from God, in order for Him to like receive my prayers, in order to feel tight with God again. And then, then, uh, then we listen. Because here's my last point my last point today, and this is the encouragement to you, is that joy is always waiting on the other side of our obedience. That's why listening is so important, because joy is always waiting on the other side of our obedience. It might be challenging and hard and painful to make that choice, but when we do, there's joy on the other side, because we're, we're standing in the will of God, and there is no greater joy than that. See, we often think we'll, we'll find joy in things that, that take the place of God. And what we, trusting God, what we do is we say, no, actually, I'm trusting God that you, you will bring me joy if I just trust you. And you know what? He does. Like, God takes our frustration and changes it to joy all the time. So I just want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you this week to spend time listening to God. Spend time listening to God. Um, practice listening prayer. Just, just getting, it's not, you know, it's not anything crazy. It's just getting in a quiet place and, and saying something like, Lord, what does my soul need to hear from you today? That is a great first question. Just getting in a place and asking God, Lord, what does my soul need to hear from you today? Do you want me, what do you want me to do? Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Like, what do I need to hear from you? What do you want to speak to my soul? I'm here, I'm available, and I'm surrendered. God, speak to me. Because joy is waiting on the other side of that. I believe that joy is waiting for each of us on the other side. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, Lord, we covered a lot, but Lord, I pray that um, in this, God, that you would begin to speak to us. Lord, that you would help us to listen better. Lord, of all the voices that we could be listening to, I pray that you'd help us to hear you better. Lord, that we, you'd help us to be better students of your word. Um, that you'd help us to be um, live at a slower pace if we need to live at a slower pace. That you'd um, help us to carve out time that maybe we don't think we have, but is ultimately of great worth to us. And so, Lord, I just pray for that. And I just pray, God, that you'd honor our faithfulness with joy. God, as we take steps towards you, we just trust that you will honor our faithfulness with joy, that you will honor our obedience with joy. And God, if there's something that we're struggling with you or we're at war with you on, I pray that you would help us, God, to just put our hands up, God, and surrender to you. 
to surrender whatever that is. And we thank you in Jesus' name.